So hello, welcome back to the Traders Improve podcast. We are here with Mandy and with Moritz. Hello, Mandy, and thank you for joining us. Hi, Rolf. Hi, Moritz. So good to see you guys again. Yes. So for everybody who don't know Mandy, um, I will put a link in the video description or in the podcast description below. And we did a podcast with Mandy, um, I think maybe one year ago, close to one year ago. And Mandy was yeah. by far the most requested guest to bring her back on the podcast. And we have had oh, so much great feedback. So I'm really happy to have you here. And Mandy is a performance coach, trading psychology uh, coach and expert working with the best traders. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to pick your brain once again. <laughs> so we have a lot of questions that were sent in um, mm -hmm. after our last podcast. And I added a few that I'm interested in hearing from you. So Why is it so hard to follow a trading plan? Why do we break the promises that we make to ourselves? This is a common problem I think many traders uh, face. Yeah, so um, I think we have to distinguish here. There's kind of like two topics in one question. Uh, why is it hard to follow a trading plan is, is a different topic to why do we break the promises to ourselves? Um, and, and they do interlink and do... Um, um, impact each other, but still to meet two, two separate topics. Now, um, again, we have to generalize here because for everyone, there might be a different context. And um, that is really important to take my answers also in context. So let's look at why is it so hard to follow a trading plan? Um, as you know, there can be many different reasons. So when we have, for example, um, a situation where I know you guys, you're doing amazing work with um, bringing out trading plans and, um, um, you know, guiding traders on what to do. And then even though um, you have proven that your uh, strategies work, traders still don't follow their trading plan. So why is that, right? It's, it, it's a really good question. So um, it could be, for example, that the style of your thinking doesn't, um, gel with the style of thinking of the individual trader. So what do I mean with that? So, for example, um, if you are if you're now looking at the disk profile, and you guys know the disk profile, right? Which is similar to Myers Briggs, just some mm -hmm. behavioral profile. And if if we are looking at this kind of profile, we have four different energy types. The high D. Um, energy is the ones who usually focus on facts and figures. Um, the high S energy is usually the one who is um, needs some time to make a decision. So they are not so suited for shorter term trading, but they're more suited for maybe swing trading where they can really take the time to make the decision. If you look at the high C energy, they usually typically need three types of different information. So for example, um, you look at the um, a chart pattern setting up, you look at a candlestick pattern confirming the chart pattern, and you look at um, some sort of indicator to confirm that the setup is um, valid and it's time to get into the trade. So, um, And then we have the high I energies. They're usually um, driven by feeling. You know, um, it must feel good or they follow their intuition. And as we know, intuition is usually, um, or intuition is actually um, um, built by having experience. Intuition is nothing but experience in your unconscious mind that your mind then, uh, like a library, a database that your mind then taps into. So when we now look at or what would be really interesting um, 
would when we look at what type of traders find it hard to follow your specific strategy. And so every time you get someone saying, oh, you know, your strategy doesn't work or I find it hard to follow, ask them to do a test at this profile, Tony Robbins, um, one of the free ones, right? And look at what is their main energy, D-I-S-O-C. And I would be pretty surprised if the answer is not that they're high I. So they're people who do what they feel like doing, but they don't do what they have to do. The high Ds are the ones who are um, focused on facts and figures, and they do what needs to be done no matter what, even if they don't feel like it, even if they feel bad, even if they have been out drinking the night before, have a massive hangover, they still get up and they do their work. So that would be really interesting to now look at it the other way around. What are the type of traders who find it hard to follow strategies? Because it's not everyone. There are some amazing traders out there who are performing really well. Um, so that could be one angle. Um, another angle could be that um, the trader doesn't really understand the strategy. So even though they think that they're following the strategy, but they don't really get it. And so they um, misinterpret strategies. I see that a lot with my traders. When So the, the first session that I do with my traders is I make them explain to me their strategy, but they're not allowed to show me on the charts. It's it's like, you know, there is no video, um, it's only audio, and they have to explain it to me. And I need to be able to imagine in my mind what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you will be surprised. Like They find it so hard to do it. Now, on the flip side, if someone finds it easy to um, explain their strategy in a way where I can easily follow like a cooking recipe, then they really have understood their strategy. They really know what they're doing. So you see two totally, completely different angles. And um, I could give you two more if you want to. <laughs> I have oh, yeah, one totally, question yeah. first yeah. um, about the disk profile. If, if now mm -hmm. someone has a, let's say, um, low D score, for example, uh, which yeah. is presumably probably bad as a trader <clears throat> because you have to stick to the facts and do your work. Um, is this yeah. variable over time? Can people change their disk profile? Absolutely. So research has shown that our behavior is driven 60% by um, um, learned behavior and 40% genetic. Mm -hmm. That means we have 60% of our behavior that we can influence. Okay. Now, these four different energy styles, how they came about, it was that um, some people, I can't remember who it was specifically, but it does matter. We can Google it, right? Um, so they looked at behavioral patterns from people. They did massive research and asked them to make a decision. And they all had to make the same decision about the same subject matter. And then they looked at how did they make the decision. And I saw, oh, some people, they say, I need time. And I'm sure you guys have experienced it as well. You know, you have a conversation with a trader who wants to take up your coaching. And then they say, let me think about it over the weekend. I get back to you on Monday. You know, they're high S. <laughs> now you know what kind of strategy to give to them. Don't put them into a scalping strategy. They need time to think and process information. Mm -hmm. Now, if they really want to be a scalper, they can. But there's some work to be done. They have to train and practice making really fast decisions. So 
they most probably have learned to make the decisions and take the time to make the decisions in their upbringing, either by modeling um, key people in their environment or um, maybe because they didn't have anyone in their environment to guide them. And so they became very cautious to make decisions. There could be, again, um, a variety of reasons why they need time to make a decision, but it doesn't really matter, right? Once you know what your main energy is, then you can look at the other four energies and you say you need to tap into that. So for example, um, I'm high I, right? So very feeling driven. And that was what really impacted me at the beginning in my trading career before I understood this work. So now that I understood, once I understood it, I looked like, okay, so I need to bring some C energy into my um, decision-making process. Meaning um, I don't want to have a time um, module in my in my methodology, right? I want to trade short term because that um, meets my 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 personality and my need for action. So now we go into the six core needs of Tony Robbins. Variety is very high for me. So um, scalping or shorter term trading really suits me. But the way I was making my decisions based on intuition or feeling did not work. Uh-huh. And then I looked at someone like um, Tom Dante, who I have never seen his test, but I can tell you based on his strategies or based on his course, he's high C, mega C. So I looked at how does Tom organize himself? And I don't know if you saw him in Edges for Ledges. He has like every minute of the day was planned out. Only a high C can do that, right? Mm-hmm. A high I can't do that because you like to be in flow. You know, we like to be free. And so I I looked at what does he do and I looked at the three key behavioral patterns in his decision-making process that I wanted to adapt for my strategy. And and so that's what I did. Then also facts and figures um, where we see that a lot, right, where traders are, they make it all about themselves. And here, Rolf, is part, um, another part of the answer to your question. When a trader says, I don't want to lose money, (laughs) I have made all these profits. Now I have to give it back. Or my P&L is green. I have 10 winning trades in a row. I don't want to destroy this beautiful looking um, P&L. They make it all about themselves. A high D would never do that. A high D is all about facts and figures. The trade didn't work, I get out. Even if they feel bad about it, if they feel angry about it, so if you look now, for example, at Linda Rushke, right? Linda, she doesn't want to have any of that on her on her um, on her books. Like she has a trade, a botched trade that she mismanaged. Or she's like Kyle. So Kyle is her assistant. Get it off! I want it out of my life immediately. <laughs> she doesn't clown around. And I remember there was this trade. She was long cows, and um, over the weekend. And on a Sunday, the biggest abattoir in America burned down and the cows opened up limit down the next day on on a Monday morning. She got out immediately, like she didn't even think about it. She didn't try to get out at the better price. Now she just hit close all. And then she let it settle and then she re-entered and then the gap, that massive gap was being filled. So she went back in long and recovered her loss. But see... Mm -hmm. What I see most traders do is they have this um, situation where they have this really big loss and they're like, maybe I can get out at a better price. Maybe um, I can fix it. Maybe, you know, I get saved. 
So they make it all about themselves and how they don't want to feel rather than about the facts and figures. Now, if you're someone who is intuition-based or high eye, and you know this is what you do, and this is where the journaling comes in, right? Where you have an edge wonk, this part where you can talk about your emotions and write down your sentences, how they naturally come up for you. And if the word I comes up a lot, you know that you need to shift your focus to facts and figures. Mm-hmm. What does my chart say? Okay. Yeah, answer your question? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's also probably awesome. if you always get the eye involved it's also probably a, a sign that your ego is probably taking a, a way too big space in in all of this yeah so what is the definition of ego though um because i know some traders with really big ego and they're multi-million dollar traders so i think we need to define maybe which part of ego mm-hmm. I, I I think when we look at the, so there, I think there's two parts of ego. The ego about, I want to have the best. I want to be the best. I'm going to beat everyone. I'm going to rock. That's usually the high Ds. Or the ego of, I want to look good. I don't want anyone to find out that I'm a failure. I um, want Energy. to... Vanity. Actually, that's a great one, Moritz. It's the difference between ego and vanity. Yeah. And where that vanity comes from, um, what Michael Gervais coined as FOPO. <laughs> mm. um, I've, I love that fear of other people's opinion. Because then when I drill down with those traders into what is that you're really afraid of? Because, hey, that loss is not really going to change your life. It doesn't matter. It always comes down to the fear of losing love or losing appreciation, um, being judged by someone, having made a promise and can't live up to the promise to someone, right? So promised my wife I'm going to buy her a new house. Well, that didn't happen. He lost <laughs> half the house, right? Because Uh-oh. he put a million dollars from his, um, from mortgage. his ha- mortgage into <laughs> the market to save his trade. Best and then idea. bust blew out, right? So we see that all the time. Mm, interesting. Mm. So, so would you say that, um, for example, I always have this picture in mind of of a complete trader, and one is his like personality, his abilities, his natural abilities, or his learned mm-hmm. abilities, and then his yeah. goals, what he actually wants, mm. and then his personal life, like his circumstances, and then he has to get all three of those into one thing that works. Nice. I love that. Like a power pyramid. Yeah, like that. I think that's the three things that always were problematic to me that I really had to get under one head to mm. make trading really work for me. Yeah. 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 So, and, and see, you you were able to make it work for you because, I mean, your results are really impressive. And um, so what you're saying is that at the beginning, that was not who you naturally were. What you're saying is that you needed to train yourself to become this kind of person. Yeah, I I met somewhere in the middle between my personality and the trading style. They met somewhere yeah. in the middle. So I adapted a bit. Nice. I adapted my trading style a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. excellent. You know, so, someone said to me, I, um, sorry, Rolf, I, I, I tweeted that as well. Someone said to me, um, oh, I love how your mind works. And I'm like, 
hang on, what? No, it's not that my mind works because the way he articulated it, he described it was like, my mind is this separate entity and it's doing its own thing. I said, mm -hmm. no, I work my mind. I trained my mind to work like this, to think <laughs> in a certain way. And because when we say to someone, I love how your mind works, we give our power away. It's okay for you to be like this. Mm -hmm. I don't need to step up and do the same. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Right. So the question then always comes up, how do you find the trading style that fits yourself? So I guess from what you've said, the DISC um, profile test probably is, is uh, quite important to just get a general idea of, of your own uh, personal makeup. And um, yeah, so that's, uh, how, do you, how do you see that? Besides the disc, mm -hmm. is there anything else? So with the disc, that's my starting point. I look at what does the trader naturally, um, what, what is the trader naturally drawn to? If they are high eye, I know they need a high um, portion of intuition in their trading. They need to have the freedom to flow with the market. Um, if they are high C, They, that would be a killer for them. On, in, in contrast, if we regulate a high I too much, that stifles them and they can't make decisions anymore, that, that, that they freeze. So you start with what is your natural energy? And then you bring elements from all of the other three decision-making processes in as well. So for example, um, If you have someone who is highly intuitive, well, they still need to have a system and a strategy to follow. Why? Because the market has certain patterns that are um, um, that we can forecast and that are quite reliable and then also tell us when we are wrong. So if we don't have this kind of benchmark, how are we going to make decisions? We, we, need, we need to have some sort of system and strategy. And, and so, you know, we need to give up a little bit of our freedom. Um, so the, um, you also want to look at, is someone mathematically inclined or visual? Um, so the traders who are quite mathematical in their thinking, um, they would be graded as options traders. I'm really bad at maths. I can't be an options trader unless I practice math, math. And so I already know that I wouldn't go down that path of trading options. However, I know traders who are excellent at options and I get key information from them that I can then bring into my decision-making process. So for example, um, you know, there's options expiry three times a week mm -hmm. and the options expiry um, defines where the market is most likely going to go. Now, it doesn't always go there, but we already have a benchmark where we can say, well, based on the options data, there's a high probability the market is going to go into this direction. So I don't need to know um, options. I just need to have friends who do know options. <laughs> And so you still can bring the elements into, into your trading. Now, um, when you are someone who is high D, gen again, I'm generalizing because for, for some it might be different. Um, you're usually someone who can make decisions really, really fast on the fly. That's natural to you. you you're a thinker. You're not so much in, in touch with your emotions, but you're a really quick and fast thinker. And 
what I also see is that um, the high Ds, they're able to think in multi dimensions. So they're visionaries. And they look at the market and they see patterns, they see movements. Um, for example, um, a friend of mine, it's actually a friend of Linda's, but um, I adopted him as my friend, <laughs> um, Nick. So um, you know how last night or during the, your day, the market sold off really sharp and quick mm -hmm. at, on the news of the um, vaccine being withdrawn. And, and so Nick said... Um, when the market is going to, so when the he's a U.S. trader, when the U.S. market is going to be weak in the morning, he's going to go long for a rally into the close. Mm -hmm. And then if you if you look at the chart, right? Um, so we had the sell-off. Then it was being sold, uh, bought up a little. The U.S. market opens, retested the low, and then a rally into the close. So this is understanding market behavior and market context. And high Ds, they're really good at that. So they can look at using their strategy. And that's another point for you, Rolf, in terms of why do people not follow their strategy? Because um, they might misread the market context. Because not every continuation pattern is the same continuation pattern. If you already had the third continuation pattern in, in an uptrend, the third continuation pattern might have the last leg and then fails. Whereas if you have the first or the second one, um, it might be more reliable. So that comes back to Wyckoff's three pushes up mm -hmm. before the market rolls over and do, does a retracement. So also understanding the market context. Now, um, <laughs> uh, that's right. So uh, I just know, what was the question again? <laughs> so that means... If I'm someone who doesn't know how to read market context because I'm a detailed person, I can train myself. And again, I, I'm not good at it. I'm more of a detailed person. But I, I looked at how does Nick or how, do, how does Linda or how do other big picture visionaries make their decisions and then studied them and practiced from them, learned from them. Mm, um, basically just model them. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, just model them. And then if you are, for example, if you are an intuitive person, but you know you need to learn to follow the rules and have more structure, does it just come down to forcing yourself or how does the, because I think there are many people yeah. who maybe also have this intuitive as an excuse probably because they don't want to put yeah. in the work probably. Exactly. And I love your question because <laughs> it's so to the point. Um, Another big misconception that I see traders have is they think because they write something to their trading plan, they actually can do it. So it's kind of like when you um, want to learn how to play tennis and you put a post-it note onto your <laughs> tennis racket, <laughs> you know, um, this is how you do your forehand, keep your arm straight or, you know, um, um, one of my guys is a basketball player. He used to play for the um NFL or whatever it's called, like, you know, the um, professional NBA? league, mm -hmm. NBA, that's the one, yeah, NFL is Australia for the <laughs> NBA. And, and I said to him, you know, what makes the difference between hitting the hoop and not? And he said, your elbow, it could be just the elbow is just a little out. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like if he were to put a post-it note onto the basketball, keep your elbow <laughs> close, you know. 
doesn't work this way. You know, he said, no, he has spent hours, and we know all these stories, hours and hours and hours practicing his technique. In mm -hmm. trading, we need to do the same. So um, we need to go on live market replay and train and practice that strategy. So mm -hmm. I don't know how much um, your traders are doing it, but if they're not doing well, I would put them on live market replay and tell them, um, trade this one strategy, this one setup, um, I don't know, a hundred times in live market replay in one day, and then see your um, numbers, your performance improve like a world champion. Mm -hmm. Again, who does it? You know, they all want to trade live immediately. It comes <laughs> yes. down to, yeah. And um, I think one thing that I, I picked up from the Marty Schwartz's book, Pitbull Champion Trader, is that he yeah. uses a physical checklist for every single trade. So I always recommend if you have problems following the rules, then you just print out your checklist and you really have to force yourself to tick off every box before you take a trade. And uh, I think it just comes down yeah, to just doing the work and just forcing yourself to some degree and then um, getting well, there slowly. I'm not sure if you really need to force yourself, Rolf, because when you have practiced, when you have practiced your craft, it becomes second nature to you, doesn't it? Right, but Even there are many if you people don't who, like, hmm? who just want to, well, who just want to trade, who, who, yeah. who don't want to do the work of writing down the rules and printing it out, and then before you take a trade, you check it off. Uh, I think that's yeah. a big hurdle. I, I think absolutely. The um, what is another one that I really liked? Uh, I think that was from Mark Douglas, where um, very similar, where you have one column with your profits another column with your losses and then you even them up as you go throughout the day because what we also know is traders who are losing traders they have an avoidance strategy mm -hmm. they don't look at their statistics and they don't <laughs> want to face reality so yeah. um i think what you are saying rolf is that makes them face reality that it yeah. doesn't work this way just wanting to force yourself onto the market I see that pattern often in um, people also that we um, coach that um, they are very um, adamant about their journaling and they do it all very well until they hit a drawdown of four, five, yeah. six losing trades and they stop journaling and um, that's the end of the story pretty <laughs> yeah. much. <laughs> exactly. That's when they need journaling the most. That's yeah. when they stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have another question about those tests um, because mm -hmm. I've done many of those psychology tests where you try to care. And the problem that I always have is that you always have uh, an image of yourself, how you perceive yourself. So mm -hmm. is it important to be objective about making the test? Because I already have an idea of what the answer will be when I make the test. So the answers that I take off are probably going to be in line with what I, or how I view myself. The self-image. So, yeah. Yeah. A good test has the questions articulated in a way where um, you are not able to <laughs> to um, cheat them. Okay. So they formulate it in a different way or they force you to take one or the other answer. And you say, I don't like either of those answers, especially with the disk profile. Right? People say, none of those answers is what I want or what I would do. And you still are forced to pick one. 
And, and, and so that's how they find out what is um, really at the core of, of your behavioral pattern. Right, okay. Yeah, I tried yeah. this with the um, Myers-Briggs, very famous mm -hmm. uh, personality test. I tried it like Sunday morning, uh, Friday night <laughs> when I was drunk, when I was sober, and always the same result. So really hard <laughs> to cheat those tests. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, it's too funny. And that's the thing, right? We don't want to cheat the test. We want to really be clear around what is our natural behavioral pattern, then play to our strengths and, and tap into the strengths of the other ones as well. You know, as we said before, you can learn and, and, and bring um, the positives of the other energies into your own style as well. That needs to be practiced and trained as well. Right. So... Let's assume the trader has a strategy and he starts trading. And mm -hmm. in the beginning, obviously, the results won't be that great. Um, how, how do you stay motivated when, when things aren't going, your well, uh, aren't going your way, when, when your results are all over the place and they're not what you imagined it to be when you started trading? Uh, how do you still show up every day and try to perform at your best? Yeah, excellent. So again, if you look at, The DISC profile as a basics, the high D does whatever it takes, even if they feel bad, they don't need motivation. The high I, because you're so feeling driven, wants to give up and um, curl up in the corner and eat a tub of ice cream. <laughs> so it's about, um, I think, when we don't have motivation, we have nothing to look forward to, or we are not optimistic that or we don't really believe that we can um, conquer whatever we want to conquer. So when I have traders who um, lack motivation because they had a really bad run or a tough time, I always remind them that, yes, it's a tough time. And at the moment, it looks like you'll never make it. You know, your dream is just floating away from you. But are you really going to let that happen? And I, I, I help them to tap back into no way I'm going to let that happen. I'm going to find a way because there's always a way and I'm going to find that way. And so what most do, they feel like they're backed into a corner. Their back is against the wall. And I say, how would it feel if your back would be against the wall of power? And, and you know, look at, again, modeling. What do other traders do? And so when we look at people like Linda, I, I use Linda a lot as an example because she allowed me to study her. So I, I know her quite well. People like Linda, she makes a mistake. She gets really cranky and, and um, annoyed at herself. But five minutes later, she has already forgotten it. Mm -hmm. or she would send me a message saying, oh, man, this trade, I mismanaged it, cranky. <laughs> And then, you know, I'm not on my computer. And then 10 minutes later, I come back to my computer. I'm like, oh, no. And she's like, what do you mean? Oh, no. She's completely forgotten about it. She's already <laughs> moved on to the next trade. Now, that can be practiced as well, because that's something that we have learned, again, in, in, in our formative years to be someone who always puts the past into the future, as they say in landmark education. Um, mm -hmm. And then we keep the past in the future to protect ourselves. And we keep you know, having that sense of regret. And the sense of regret is what then brings us into, um, you know, going on tilt and um, revenge trading, etc. 
what we want to do is we want to leave the past in the past that happened. That was annoying. Is there something that I can um, do differently next time? So what you hear most traders do uh, say is they say, I should have taken my stop loss or I should have taken the trade. So they talk about the past, regretting the past. And I train them to say something about creating a new future. Next time I will handle the trade this way. Next time I do it differently. Can you hear the difference? So that gets you back into motivation when you say that was the past. My past does not determine my future. What I'm doing right now in the next moment determines my future. And that goes back to traders who are never present in the moment. If you want to succeed in trading, you need to be in immensely focused. And what I see with many traders is that they either fear the future, they regret the past, or they fantasize about the future, but they're not present in the moment. Now they fantasize about the cars and the house and making the partner happy, or they fear that they lose everything, they end up in the in, in, in the street corner um, with a sign, I'm a loser, and everybody's going to hate them. Or they remember what they did wrong, you know, 20 years ago when they didn't make it to the World Championships as an athlete because they screwed up, because uh, they were out the night drinking before and then didn't perform. So we need to learn to be really present in the moment right now. Mm -hmm. What do you think, because you said um, fantasizing about the future, um, I think what you mean is while we are executing, actually, while we are on the charts, right? Um, because for me, I use, for example, visualization a lot um, to motivate myself. And that's uh, one of the most important tools I have is when I'm sitting there Friday night, my eyes are bleeding. And I'm sitting over some Excel files and I'm asking myself for a minute, what the hell are you actually doing here? And then mm -hmm. I use that that vision of the future that really then propels me forward for the next two or three hours to do even more work, go the extra mile. Yeah. Right. So what you're saying is that you use visualization and fantasizing about the future, but not when you're in the middle of a trade. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what you talk about is, um, ah, what's it called again? It's a different name. It's not visualization. It is it's also not fantasizing. Manifestation, exactly. Yeah, manifestation. Yeah. Because you prime your mind to look for um, answers to how you can achieve this thing. Yeah. Is that something that you use with um, your uh, clients, for example, as a technique that you teach them? Or... Um, not so much. Um, it's actually something that I could add to my <laughs> toolbox. <laughs> um, it's a really good idea. I um, more, I'm, I'm more like um, practically focused, mm -hmm. helping them to think differently in the mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a really big fan of, um, you know, Wim Hof breathing and mm. um, ice baths. So practicing your willpower, practicing doing what you um, don't feel like doing. Mm -hmm. and um, But you don't do that when you're in the trade. You do that outside the arena. Yeah. Once you're in the arena, to start your Wim Hof breathing is not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to do that really um, every morning or every evening. So when you're not in a trade, 
But yeah, I, I love your idea with the visualization. I kind of do that. My first session um, with them is your ideal average day and creating a performance oh, yeah. improvement plan That's to get a to a exercise. certain point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's so good because uh, that actually is motivation as well, Rolf, where um, we can then tell traders, remember when we talked about your vision, the reason why you are trading, mm -hmm. all the dreams that you had, yeah. Right. <clears throat> it's probably also a very fine line between having unrealistically high expectations and uh, making them achievable. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking it's, them down it's... in smaller goals also. Um, yeah. One more question I have about this topic is um, mm. because you talked about Wim Hof breathing, uh, what about circuit breakers that uh, when you are having a really bad day and you're just completely out of sync with the market do you mm. teach your clients anything that pulls them out of this horrible downward spiral mm -hmm. i kind of work with them on not even getting there because mm -hmm. if we look at um so what i suspect is that you talk about going on tilt or yeah. um, um, um revenge trading when we look at revenge trading going on tilt all these behaviors they're addictive behaviors And their addiction is always driven by fear. So once we find out what they're most afraid of, that's where I tend to go with them outside mm -hmm. the trading station, of course. So what is that you're really most afraid of? Because then we can um, transform that. Once they know what they're most afraid of, we can then take the well-being approach and say, I really get this. So let's make sure that this doesn't happen. It's kind of like with driving again, when, you know, we, we can have exercises, uh, sorry, we can have accidents. Um, I don't know where I came to exercise now. We can <laughs> have accidents. <laughs> And so we put, you know, the, the, the airbag, the um, um, seatbelt, uh, seat seatbelt, exactly. And mm -hmm. um, drive, you know, cars or the cars are being tested nowadays on in terms of how safe they are. Um, so we do our best to protect ourselves. I call that protective pessimism, where I'm not pessimistic, like, you know, oh, my God, you know, this can happen. It's like, no, what can happen or risk management? And then I need to make sure that should that happen, that I'm protected. And now when that anxiety, that trigger is removed and resolved, the traders don't go on tilt anymore. Because mm -hmm. then the addictive behavior is not being triggered anymore. I see. So they basically have yeah. a multi-max daily loss, for example. They hit it, they get out, and that's it. No hard feelings. Yeah, they're just like, oh, man, I'm not feeling it today. I yeah. go and do something else with my life. Okay, interesting. Yeah. It yeah. took me years to get to that point, but now I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, and once you get there, it's like, why didn't I do that earlier? And it's this peace yeah. of mind. It's like, I just come back tomorrow. Market's too yeah. crappy for me today. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So one thing that uh, I'm very interested in, because you mentioned mm -hmm. it's very important that you learn to be present, how yeah. or that you are present actually. But how do you how do you get there? How is there techniques or things that they can do? Because it's obviously so, very tough. Yeah, it is, especially in our society. You know, with everything. Um, every five minutes you get um, a break for advertisements when you watch TV. Um, or, you know, just a short attention span that we have nowadays. So I'm not a big fan of meditation. Um, 
I found that when someone has anxiety, meditation actually makes it worse. And I, I spoke to a few psychologists and they, they kind of confirmed that. Um, and I don't know if that was confirmation bias that I only spoke to psychologists who agreed with me or, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it can trigger or increase anxiety. So I'm a big fan of mindfulness where um, I savor the moment. I'm not a big fan of gratitude either, um, but that's just a personal thing. I don't know why. I just, I, I, I'm like, okay, so now I have to think of three things that I'm grateful for. It's like, that's nah, it does not land you. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but for others, it lands, right? But mm -hmm. what I'm a really big fan of is creating three things that I'm grateful for in my day. So I, every day I want something that I'm uh, that I'm looking forward to. Um, for example, um, going for coffee with my friend and mm -hmm. having an epic conversation. Then I have I savor that moment where it's like, oh my god, I'm really enjoying this conversation right now. <laughs> and that's kind of savoring and gratitude is what I what I do um, is slapping over for me. So if you look at positive psychology, they um, say savor the moment and have three things that you're grateful for. Um, yeah, savoring the moment or, you know, having a really nice cup of coffee. I savor that the first zip of my coffee in the morning is like, ha, huh. <laughs> that gets me into the present moment. Um, I also do exercises that I learned from Feldenkrais. So, for example, you put your hand on the top of your leg mm -hmm. and then you think about what does my leg feel underneath the palm of my hand? What does my hand feel on top of my leg? So you train your brain to um, think, to be nimble and to think in different um, dimensions, which is really important for us as traders as well. Um, I do mindful walking. So when I walk to the shops, I, um, so that's also a Feldenkrais thing where you roll up over your little toe, the next step you roll up over your second toe, the third toe, the fourth toe, the big toe. That is all mindfulness work that I do every day to practice being focused. Because again, you know, so many traders, they say, oh, I want to be focused. Great. What do you do for getting focused? Because obviously you don't have the skill to be focused. He says, well, I put, <laughs> put a post-it note on my monitor with the name focus. And I also put it into my trading methodology, into my strategy. It's like, just because you write it down doesn't mean you can be focused. You need to practice focus. When I go to the gym, I practice mindfulness and focus as well. So, um, you know, that speedball thing that you can do in the gym what is that? and that the boxers do. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I'm really bad at it, but um, I use that as my focus exercise. So I count mm -hmm how far I can go and when I lose focus. So if I lose focus at number, I don't know, 73, and I usually can hit a hundred times, then I know I need to start again and practice focus. Um, when I'm in the gym and let's say I do bench press or leg press, I'm really mindful and present in the moment, feeling my muscles, which one of my muscles is now activated? What would happen if I now activate that muscle? What happens if I now tighten up my, my um, um, I don't know, my 
biceps. What happens if I now tighten up my calf? So I really play with that. That is all mindfulness being present in the moment and focused. Um, right. What a mentor of mine from, I don't know, 15 years ago always did before his trading session, he would count um, the clock backwards. So he would imagine a dig dig digital clock and then go 100, 99, 98, and then write down where he lost focus. And that would give him an um, idea of how ready he is to trade. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So daily, um, daily, um, how do you say, performance or, yeah. How do you how you feel on a daily basis? You can measure it with these things. I knew a exactly. poker player who um, who would do a sudoku. Like in the morning, he would go to the coffee shop and do a sudoku of the same wow. difficulty level every day. And then yeah. he measured the time. And when he needed longer than usual, he would just not play poker that day because he knew something was off. <laughs> so interesting, right? I I used to do something similar, like um when I get up and stand on one leg, like, you know, in yoga, doing the tree pose, mm -hmm. if I was wobbly, that would also give me an insight that I'm not emotionally balanced and I would go and sort myself out first. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Any more <laughs> tips from your poker player friends? It's <laughs> well, so, so similar, no? <laughs> it's quite similar. Yes. Actually, um, there was, there was one guy who um, every time it's not something that anyone else can do. Um, but every time he was close to going on tilt, he would feel a pressure behind his eyes. Like he would really feel his eyes popping yeah. out a bit out of his skull wow. and then he would stop. There was really yeah. like a physical warning sign. So interesting. I would yeah. love and to have that. <laughs> I actually do that with my traders. I always, so that's part of the journaling they have to do. Before you went on tilt, what happened? And they usually can't remember. But the more... Uh, the longer we, we, we try that, right, they become more and more aware. And there's always something that gives um, you away. That, yeah. And mm -hmm. so, and say, okay, so where do you feel that feeling of frustration or anger? So your friend um, felt it in, in, in his head, right? Yeah. Most people feel it in their stomach. Uh -huh. So from a kinesiology viewpoint, um, I started seeing a kinesiologist lately. She explained to me that is the when you have that feeling in your stomach or in your solar plexus, that is a sign that you um, feel um, disempowered. So your power has been taken away from you. You lose control. When you have that feeling in your upper chest, that is usually related to a lack of self-belief. Mm. Or was it the other way around? I have to ask her again. Not that <laughs> I tell you something wrong, but um, I, I can check that out with her. So um, I'm going to ask her what it means when it's in the head. So the body is so powerful mm -hmm. and, and um, can give us so many insights about our limiting beliefs, our fears. Um, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's, it's just amazing and now when we know these things we can go into um, preventative measures so you feel that feeling behind your eyes or he feels that feeling behind his eyes as a warning sign and now it mm -hmm. becomes emotional guidance system mm -hmm. oh i start feeling mm -hmm. superwoman creeping up so i better stop or <laughs> i start feeling um 
feeling woozy in my, you know, feeling weird in my solar plexus. So maybe I feel like I'm losing control again. I go and need to sort myself out first. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Yeah. So this is the skill of uh, <clears throat> self-awareness then that uh, is also often brought up, I think. Uh, how do you how do you develop self-awareness? Is it just is it just trying to listen to yourself every or just what I do, for example, is because I noticed that I'm very easily distracted um, or I became that. And I think how I use my phone is a very big part of that as well. And what yeah. I do is, for example, I walk my dog three, four times a day and I don't, I don't take my phone anymore with me. I don't listen to podcasts. Nice. I just try to, to be there and just try to pay attention. Or when I'm in a grocery checkout line, I don't, I don't pull out my phone and I don't try to give in to this reflex to pull out mm. your phone every five seconds. Are there, so self-awareness is probably very similar that you just try to, to listen to, to yourself more and more and more and until you have a you get to know yourself better, probably. So again, there's where Edgebone comes in. You write down what you think and what you feel and what you do. So for example, let's take a really simple example. You want to learn how to sit straight. That is a lack of self-awareness. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean you both. <laughs> yeah. So what you do is you have a little piece of paper next to you. And every time you catch yourself sitting, slouching, you make a little tick. And then you realize how many times you slouch. Hmm. And then you get your friends also to remind you when you slouch, because often we don't see ourselves, we forget it. So we get our environment to help us as well. So looking at self-awareness in the context of trading, we want to be really aware for example one one question i get all the time you guys for sure as well should i stop trading when i have reached my profit target i'm like why would you if you're on a roll like go for it and so my benchmark for stopping trading is do i still have my mental capital and my emotional capital are my silos still full am i still focused Because if I get the urge to play with my phone, then I'm not focused anymore. If I feel uh, I want chocolate or something, then I'm de- feeling deprived. And I, I need to take a break and get some nutrition, a banana, not a chocolate or a chocolate covered mm-hmm. banana. Um, <laughs> so again, our body is so amazing and giving us feedback. Um, in uh, um, in Edgewonk, you can then write down, for example, um, how many times during the trading session you started feeling a certain feeling in a certain body part. And the more you do that, so on day one, you maybe catch yourself three times. I started feeling um, um, fear in my solar plexus. Then the next day, you become better at it and you're like, oh, wow, today it was five times. Oh, wow, the next day it was only once. Now look at your life. What happened? Did you have a disagreement with a loved one? Did you watch news? Um, You know, I I heard um, yesterday about a friend um, whose father um, sexually abused um, children and, and, you know, she was very distraught. Mm -hmm. And I was really shocked to hear that and it really impacted me. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't know if you saw my tweet. Um, I got out at my trade at the 
high-tech and then it dropped 200 points. But this is what happens when we, when we get shocked and we are not in touch with our intuition, when we are not in touch with our mental capital. We make decisions that are subpar. So, um, yeah, it's just write it down, write down the context. What did you, what happened just before you felt that emotion that you deemed as not helpful? And then right. the next step is what can you tap into because you don't want to stay in there, right? So that's the difference between mental fitness, and mental stuckness. Most traders, they stay stuck in that emotion, but you need to have a strategy to get mentally fit and get on top of your performance again. And this is what um, athletes do, what soldiers do. And this is what great traders do. They make mistakes, they feel bad. And how quickly you recover from a mental injury or emotional injury, in, for athletes, a physical injury, is uh, determines how well you will be trading after you made the mistake. Mm. That's when really great traders are made, how quickly they really recover from yeah. fallouts or yeah. yeah. So most mistakes. traders, yeah, they make a mistake and then they go into a tilt. That's mental stuckness. I, I made that up, mental stuckness. I could think of a better name. <laughs> I like that. Mental fitness. <laughs> mental <laughs> fitness is making a mistake, feeling giving yourself five minutes to get really angry and then moving on back to baseline. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that also directly ties in with um, something that um, I think is super important for any high performance activity, which is um, these days in you read everywhere that uh, you need to love what you do, you need to enjoy it and so on. But there will always be times when you really, really hate it. You hate what you do, you hate your life. Yeah. And uh, it's just gonna, you have to embrace the suck and just get through it if you really want to achieve your goals. And uh, so many people just give up right then and there when Spoken things get a bit like harder. like a true Heidi, Moritz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really uh, interesting because I see so many people like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Mm. And why not? I tried this and that. In the beginning, it was fun. Then it was not. It's like, yeah, there's no activity which will always be 100% fun. Yeah. It's just if you want to be really good at something successful, embrace the grind. Yeah. You know, also what I see with, with most traders who stay stuck in the vicious circle and, and don't get any direction, they don't know how to think. I would mm. really recommend them to do a course in critical thinking, in strategic thinking, in uh, thinking in consequences, thinking in frameworks. They're usually stuck in the detail and that's how they they feel like they're in a hole and they can't look outside. Um, when I look at the work that you guys did with your website, that takes a visionary. Right? And, and also takes a visionary to do well in trading. Mm -hmm. Now, if someone is naturally a detail-oriented person, they can train themselves to become a visionary by learning how to strategically think and critically think. Mm -hmm. So when you have a trader who says, I'm stuck, I don't know what to do with my life, I guarantee you when you teach them how to think in frameworks, so take the wheel of life and say, um, what is it that you're naturally um, already good at? And let's say they're good at people, well, then you know they shouldn't be in um, alone at home trading at the computer. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. All right. So Mandy, I think we are coming to the end. We want to be mindful of your time. It's always so much fun. <laughs> uh, I think we could go on for, yeah. for a long time. So I will put all the links that we mentioned in the description below. We always recommend anyone who is interested in trading, uh, trading psychology to sign up with you. A lot of our Thank students you. are with you as well. So yeah. yeah, where can people find you so that we, that we know that? Well, on Twitter, it's um, mpx underscore trader is my Twitter handle. And um, my website is tradingpsychology.com.au and um, or highperformancetrading.com.au too. So yes, or through you guys, you know. <laughs> right. We yes. always like Sorry. to collaborate. Yes. Yeah. yes. So thank you so much for taking the time. It's always so much fun. And I hope for round yes. three soon. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> as you said, it's always fun hanging out with you guys. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.